Hi everyone and welcome back to Final Film and for something a little bit different to the channel and to the podcast. Now we've done TV stuff before, more so on the podcast. We've done top 10 comedies and top 10 dramas. And if you listen back to the top 10 dramas, you will know that my number one drama of all time is Dexter. Now, Dexter is a program that was on TV a couple of years ago now. I think it started around about 2006, 2007 off the top of my head. Went to about 2013 and has recently had a mini-series resurgence after that point. And specifically, we're talking Dexter New Bud. And to do something, again, a little bit different, as you can see in my hand, I've recently bought the steelbook of Dexter New Bud. And I'm going to be giving you a, an unbox. Can you call it an unboxing if it's just a steelbook? Either way, I'm going to unwrap it. I'll show you the inside of it and we'll talk about New Bud. But we're going to talk first, and I'm going to come back to this in just a little bit. So, Dexter Newbud, if you're not aware, was set 10 years after the events of the original series finale, which was entitled Remember the Monsters. And it was one of those episodes that, because of the title and stuff, people just assumed certain things about it. And in that episode, spoiler alert, if you've not seen the original Dexter series, Dexter's sister Deb is killed, and Dexter is later presumed dead only for him to be controversially revealed to still be alive, working as a lumberjack with a great big bushy beard. Now, Hot Fuzz reference, if you're not aware, they may happen time to time. It's just one of those things. Now, since then, and that episode, and the end to the original series, it then the episode became a bit of a rod to sort of poke at the legacy of the series and the legacy of Dexter. And if you mentioned the end of season eight, you're probably going to get people going, oh, Dexter's that program that has that rubbish finale, isn't it? Dexter's one of them ones that falls off the wagon so far. I don't think it is. And one thing that I'm going to do in a little bit is I'm going to give you my ranking of the seasons, including Newwood, after I've kind of given you a bit of a brief overview and summary or review, I suppose, of Newwood. Everyone forgets the brilliant performances that happened in the original series, the superb writing, the excellent moments that made the original run so memorable. So fast forward eight years, and at the end of 2021, Dexter Newbord premiered on Showtime in the US and Sky Atlantic in the UK, with Michael C. Hall reprising his role as Dexter and Jennifer Carpenter returning as Deb, who very much is still dead, okay? We're not at a point where we're resurrecting cast members or anything like that. Deb is still dead, but she has taken on the character representing Dexter's inner thoughts that was originally filled by his dad, Harry, in the original series. Now, I had to be careful about how I worded that and how I wanted to get that across because it's true that Deb is sort of the spoken out loud for the audience conscience of Dexter, but I almost said that she was his dark passenger. I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't think she's sort of getting across the thoughts that he's having of killing people or the urges or anything like that. I think it's more to do with her portraying a sort of, if you imagine your angel on one shoulder, your devil on the other, the dark passenger being the devil. She's trying to be the angel. She's trying to be the voice of reason in a lot of things and saying, no, you can't do that. So which he ignores most of the time, but yeah, you get the drift. So we catch up with Dexter in Iron Lake, New York, which is a great name for a place, using the new name Jim Lindsay, which is a reference obviously to the author, Jeff Lindsay, who wrote the original Dexter books. And he is a unassuming sports store worker living out in the sticks in a relationship of all people with the town's police uh, chief of police, Angela. Why you would bother moving somewhere as a serial killer 
and getting into a relationship with the chief of police, I don't know. Maybe that's part of this thing. Yeah, whatever. In the first episode, Dexter's son Harrison tracks him down in the midst of a running that he's having, Dexter's having, with Max Cardwell. Now, Max Cardwell is an arrogant local who, it turns out, killed five people in a boating crash and killed this sort of ethereal, metaphorical white deer, which I think, based on where they are, is supposed to be protected by the state or protected by the government, and these can't be killed and stuff like that, but then ends up being killed and causes massive issues, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but that begins to trigger Dexter's Dark Passenger again. And the first few episodes focus primarily on Dexter giving in to his urges, him killing Max Caldwell very early on, and trying then to be a father to Harrison while Harrison begins to exhibit his own urges and his own Dark Passenger, which then Dexter has to deal with. I think it would be easy for me to sit here and take you episode by episode and mention that kind of stuff, but I think ultimately what I'm going to do I am going to get to spoilers in just a little bit. So if you're someone who knows that they want to get back and watch this series, maybe avoid the spoilers, maybe jump ahead a little bit. But what I do want to mention is what I think was the most successful part of this series, and that is Dexter's relationship with Max Caldwell's father, Kurt. So obviously I've just mentioned Dexter kills Max. I don't think that's too much of a spoiler. I think it's pretty evident from series from the episode one that that's going to happen. But Kurt is brilliantly played by Clancy Brown. And he is this sort of huge, larger-than-life figure who, as we progress through the series, clearly has his own demons. He has his own things that he's dealing with. He has his own past that he's trying to run away from in a very similar position to Dexter. So it's very interesting to see their interactions and how they sort of move forward, sort of having this idea about each other. Now, I'm about to hit into major plot spoiler summary here. So if you've not yet seen Dexter New Blood, if you've recorded it, if it's on your, your Digibox or whatever it is, I think Americans have a TiVo box and all that kind of stuff, and you know that you're going to get to it at some point, maybe you're waiting for a little bit of a break and you're going to get through the series, stop, okay? Because I'm going about to spoil stuff. Skip forward a bit if for whatever reason you want to see me take the cellophane off this, but skip forward a little bit. Three things to mention. What did I just do? I put like a claw hook. Three things we can count. It's okay. First of all, the reveal of Kurt's trophies is one of the best moments in this series in that when Dexter and Harrison find where Kurt has been leaving all these dead bodies, but then there's, because there's a point where he shoots, he shoots somebody in the head. I don't know if it's the, um, the woman with the podcast. I think it might be a different character. But he gets very, very annoyed and very upset, Kurt, that she now has a hole in her head and he's now disfigured her, having shot her. And the reason why he gets so upset is because in his trophy cabinet, I did not expect to refer to it as that, he leaves them pristine. He keeps them as pristine as possible and preserves them so they're just fully... the dead bodies, but they look like they're still alive. They look like they're just sleeping women. And it's very, very unnerving, very kind of, yeah, I suppose just unnerving is the way that I can describe it. But it was one of those great sort of villain moments where you're like, oh, my God, this guy means business here. And is Dexter in trouble? Is Harrison in trouble? Because Kurt has a very strange relationship with Harrison too. The second thing, as a throwback to the original series that I very much enjoyed, was seeing Batista again, seeing Angel Batista. 
And if I'm honest, it was also a bit of a disappointment in that Angel clocks onto who Dexter is immediately. Because of course he does. He knows who he is. He recognises him. He goes, hey, that's Dexter. He should be dead, apparently. And this then, Angela then sort of goes into a bit of a spiral of trying to find out who the real Jim is, who the real Dexter is. She's then put in a position between a job and this relationship that she's in. But to give her full fur credit, the portrayal of Angela in this is very strong, is very sort of headstrong, very strongly willed, and she's not easily put down by anyone. And at the same time, she fights back as much as possible with Dexter as well. Um, and then the third and final thing that I'm going to mention, and I think if you've seen the series, you're probably going to know what I'm going to talk about here, is the actual death of Dexter, is the killing of Dexter by Harrison. Now, Harrison shoots Dexter, fatally kills him, and fatally kills him, is that a bit of a non-whatever? And this has all been brought on by, Har- by Dexter telling Harrison to kill him. For me, this was a very bittersweet moment in that, yes, I'm aware that I've said that I'm a big fan of Dexter, and I was about to very unprofessionally move my camera so you could see a poster up there that I got from Miami in 2012, but I won't do that because it'll look dodgy. And it was bittersweet because not only am I a big fan of Dexter and I'm finally seeing this sort of, this character meet his demise and meet his end after so many years, but I would have happily had another season of this. I very much enjoyed Dexter Newbud. I thought it was a really good resurgence back into the, the, the series. And I think any kind of discrediting that happened with the way that season eight ended and the way that the kind of original run ended were done away with by this. This did it better. This, this sort of, this, you know, gave a bit of breath, breath of fresh air into the series. And it was just nice, generally, as weird as this may sound, to have Dexter back in my life in that every Monday it became a bit of a thing that me and my wife would sit and watch the next episode of Dexter. And it was every Monday without fail. And it went from a really weird time because it was like November through Christmas into January, but I was all for it. And when it came to the last episode, I was a bit like, I don't really want this to end. I'm hoping that they're going to do another one. And then right at the very end, he gets killed. So I was like, Oh, well, they're not going to do another one, have they? Because what else are we supposed to do? Do we, do we now just get Harrison? Do we get a spin-off series called Harrison? I'd watch it, but I don't know if I necessarily want it. But then one thing that it got me thinking about was because this idea of, like, I really liked New Blood, and where would that sit? Where would that sit in a ranking? If you know me, you know I like a ranking. I'm doing it with the films and all that kind of stuff. So on this side, I say this side of the screen, I'm going to point either way. Because if I'm honest, I don't know which side of the screen it's going up on. But you're going to see a ranking in a second. You're going to see nine empty boxes, okay? Now, where we are and where we're up to. We're going to start with number nine, obviously. So my least favourite of the seasons of Dexter is season three. And that is the Miguel Prado season. Now, the reason why I think season three is so low down is because I just don't have any fond memories of it. I remember watching it and thinking, eh, this is a bit naff, weren't it? And I wasn't really too keen on the character. I think Jimmy Smith was fine. I think, you know, it was a good performance. But for whatever reason, it just didn't compel me as much as seasons one and two did. So that's in ninth place. In eighth place is season five. 
So this is the Jordan Chase and the Lumen Pierce season, which again, I think ultimately fell short because of the shadow of season four. And obviously we're going to talk about season four in a little bit. But there was just something about it that didn't, didn't, didn't sit well with me. I don't know. There was just something missing, I think. So then in seventh place is season eight. And this sort of, I kind of, obviously it's the final season and everyone kind of knows the way it ended. Um, but this was the Evelyn Vogel and then more Hannah inclusion series. And again, if I'm honest, I think this season five, season eight, season three could have just been wrapped around in any different order. I think it's only on the next one where we really get into the sort of nitty gritty in the series rankings here. So my number six, um, my sixth favourite season, um, is that six? Anyway, is uh, season seven, which is the, the season with Isaac Serko. Because I thought Ray Stevenson did an absolutely fantastic job in this uh, series. And the one thing that I enjoyed the most about it was the very subtle representation of sexuality in the, in the season, in that Isaac Serko reveals himself to be a homosexual. And there's no sort of big, grandiose thing about it. It's just sort of a very intriguing, again, representation, but also manoeuvre of the narrative to make not only Dexter, but the audience look at something in a different way. And I very much enjoyed the way that they dealt with that. So, yeah, I enjoyed season seven. Um, in at number five is season six. So this is the season where Deb finally finds out that Dexter is a serial killer. And it is underpinned by a fantastic performance by Colin Hanks as Travis, who is his own little serial killer, you know. Uh, Dexter finally manages to sort of usurp and get one up on him. But there are a couple of moments in this that I think at the time I would have tweeted something like gave me season four vibes. And what I mean by that is I didn't know where it was going. There was a whole bit about them walking towards a closed sort of cupboard or a house and there was bees flying everywhere. And then there was a very nice twist towards the end about the time in which certain things happened. Or a, it was a character thing, actually, um, involving a freezer. And I'll leave it there. Um, but yeah, and I really enjoyed season six. So then in at number four is Dexter Newblood. I very much enjoyed this season. I thought, again, it was a lot of honing back to the original, but in the same way, it was very stripped back. It had very minimal sets, very minimal locations, only a certain number of key characters. It didn't overcomplicate things in any way. And the strength of the performances is what lifted the season for me. And again, it's my fourth favourite season. So, yeah, I think it was a very, very good season. In at number three is season one. Um, and this is the Ice Truck Colour. Now, again, originally this was this was number two in my rankings, but I kind of switched some, some things around here a little bit. Um, so season one, kicking Dexter off, everyone's introduction to Dexter and him and his brother Brian and the Ice Truck Killer and, and that kind of narrative. In at number two, is season two, and this was a kind of, again, a toss-up between one and two, and where I kind of positioned one and two, but for me, uh, the Sergeant Doak's sort of redemption arc, and then him ultimately meeting his end, and the whole thing about the Bay Harbor Butcher really intrigued me, um, and I thought, again, it was another season that was done very, very well. So then, in at number one, probably no surprise to anyone who knows Dexter and is familiar with this the, the season, uh, is season four, 
and that is um, the amazing John Lithgow as the Trinity Killer, who has a very slight cameo appearance in um, Dexter Newbud, but it's a bit, it's it, you know, it's throwaway because ultimately he is dead. So, you know, nothing's really going to come from it. But season four with the Trinity Killer, my God. There are a couple of things that I have said to people in the past where someone told me that they were starting Dexter again. And I said, I'm jealous because, not starting Dexter again, but starting Dexter for the first time. And I said, I'm jealous because you're going to see season four for the first time. And it's it's those things of like, again, apologies for anyone who's not a Marvel fan. I'm going to keep making these references. But if I went back to the first times that I saw Infinity War and Endgame again, it's, it's like no other time that you go back and watch anything again. And season four for, for Dexter was like that for me. There were so many twists and turns, especially in the, in the final episode. And the fact that both of them won Golden Globes for, for that series just immediately puts it above, above everything else because it is one of, if not my favourite series, TV drama ever. I love it. I did essays on it in university. I could go back and watch it now. I do now want to go back and watch the whole thing. But, you know, we'll save that for another time. So the last little thing I'm going to do, and apologies, podcast listeners, you're not going to be able to see any of this unless you go to the YouTube channel, is yesterday um, I got the, the new 4K, it's not even 4K, I wish it was 4K, the new four-disc Blu-ray steelbook of Dexter Newblood. Um, and if you know me, you know that as soon as I get anything like a new Blu-ray or anything like that, I usually take it out of the cellophane straight away. So the fact that this is on my downstairs table for at least 12 hours, if not more, without me opening it, shows inner strength and self-control. No. Um, so before I open it and before I kind of look inside it and all that kind of stuff, I wanted to just briefly mention the back, okay? So if you've ever bought a steelbook before, you'll know that they kind of come with this card that goes along the top. If I'm honest, I kind of do away with the card ultimately. Um, but um, the the back of it says, Michael C. Hall returns to his Golden Globe winning role as Dexter Morgan. The world at large believes Dexter died in a tragic boating accident and in a way that in and in a way the world at large isn't wrong. It's weird wording. Far from the life he knew, living under a false name in a small town of Iron Lake, New York, he successfully tamped down his dark passenger for nearly 10 years. With a normal job and a chief of police girlfriend, it seems he's got his life under control until his son shows up and turns his world upside down. Rattled, Dexter yields to his homicidal urges and soon finds himself on a collision course with a very dangerous local. local. Jennifer Carpenter, and I'm, I'm not a fan of this inclusion, Jennifer Carpenter and Golden Globe winner John Lithgow also returns to reprise their iconic roles as Deborah Morgan immune from his Trinity killer. Not only is that spoil, spoilery, it's also a bit of false advertising. He is in it, to be fair, so I suppose it's not, but hmm, I think he promises more than you actually get. Uh, this four-disc set includes every shocking episode and an exclusive 30-minute behind-the-scenes featurette and more. And also there's a couple of different images from the series there as well. Um, it also mentions that there's some special features. So Why Now, which I'm assuming is a feature about why they decided to revive the series. Dissecting Dexter Newblood, Deb is back. So obviously that's going to be something about Deb. Dissecting Dexter Newblood, The Kill Room. So bringing that back. 
and then all out on the table. So that sounds like a proper featurette. So let's crack this open. I say crack, nothing is being cracked here because this is a steel book. Um, he says he can't even get into it. So trusty aux cable going through the cellophane. Oh my days, why did they make these so difficult to open? Little bit off. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Does this count as an unboxing? I don't know. Cellophane all over my desk. Doing this for you people. Right. So card gone. I mean, there's a dint in it. That's helpful, isn't it? Can you see the dent? I don't know if you can see it. There's a dent there. Absolute pains in the backside. Well, anyway, there's the back. Nice little board trail, okay? Obviously, the front. That's a sticker, by the way, for the 15 certificate. So I am going to take that off. Because, again, I prefer a bit of a cleaner finish. Is there a dent there? There's a dent there as well. This may be going back to Amazon, people. For a bit of a fresh one. Jesus H. Right. So, inside you have disc one. Which has the first three episodes on. Dolby Audio. Okay, second that one out. You then have a nice, I prefer this, I prefer the way that these are instead of like four, two discs on one side, two discs on another side. I'm going to take disc four out. Disc four has only got one episode on it and a special feature, which seems like a bit of a waste. But, you know. Um, and then there's a sort of inside art that you can see. Dexter. Chopping some wood. But yeah, it's a pretty nice steel book. I thought I'd treat myself and get the steel book. It's been a while since I got one. Because if I'm honest, back in the day when I started collecting physical Blu-rays and stuff, um, I did buy steel books. I bought a few. Um, I've, I've still got the original, um, what's it, um, Avengers one. I've still got the original Thor one, Captain America all of those ones. Um, this is definitely going back, though, because it is battered. Don't even close properly. What a waste. What a waste of time. But, yeah. So I'll get a nice new shiny one. Because, you know, they've, they've clearly battered it in transit somewhere. Um, but, yeah, I feel like now every film gets a steelbook. Everyone in the mums gets a steelbook. But, yeah. So... Something a bit a bit different, casting a bit of light on Dexter Newbud, um, a series which I very much enjoyed, and a series that I was hoping would get a follow-up. But, you know, for reasons as already mentioned, it's not doing. So thank you very much for listening. If you've not done so already, go back and watch my review of The um, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent and of The Northman, two films that are coming out in US cinemas this week. Northman's already out in the UK, but it's, uh, Massive Talent is coming out in the UK this week as well. Very much enjoyed reviewing both of those. Very much enjoyed Massive Talent, not so much The Northman. And 
yeah, that'll do it. I'm just going to keep putting content out. You'll see little bits here and there. My plan is that probably after this one, the next new thing is going to be a bit of a 10 most anticipated films of this year, just going down the films that I'm most looking forward to. Uh, so, yeah, keep keep looking. So, in the meantime, you can help support Farron on Film by going over to our sponsor, Off World Tees, and using the code Farrand, that's F-A-R-R-A-N-D, for 15% off your order. You can follow me on Twitter, at Adam Farrand and at Farrand on Film. Um, go back and watch some videos go back and listen to some podcasts sub, subscribe, like, do all that kind of good stuff Uh, stay safe, look after each other and I'll see you next time